Oh, hey. the stage, someone's dying. Oh, hey. Oh, the second thing is for you. Uh, robots broken. Dracula's are not welcome. Robots. Robots. I am wearing a giant robot costume. I ate two at once, like a little sandwich. I like sandwiches. I like sandwiches. Poetry night rings through. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it is with great pleasure that I present to you Aaron Samuels. The last five minutes of Hebrew school dance class, your teacher shuts off the 1937 version of Ooh, Shot Them, My Ambitious Song. Gives a nod of approval to Benjamin Zipperstein. He turns up the best possible dance track. Special delivery. Off Bad Boy, we invented the remix. And you are no longer the sticky hair nerd boy trapped in Hebrew school. You are. The half-black, half-Jewish love child of Usher and Michael Jackson. That's what your middle school friends told you. That's where you learned the secret formula to anything and everything cool. Melanin, the most badass chemical on the planet, when an octopus is being attacked by predators, it launches a cloud of liquid melanin into the ocean as it escapes. True story. And you know the truth of this story just as you know the black liquid running currents through your pacing body the moment you are commanded to dance last time your corduroys split right <laughs> down the middle but this time you are ready got your p diddy battle track got your yarmulke and your fitted cap both match your sneakers. And you are an octopus. Music pulls your body in eight directions. And your friends want you to dance so bad. They don't realize they have become sharks. They're white teeth clapping to the beat you dig inside your gut and launch a smoke cloud of blackness into the synagogue and suddenly everything you do is the blackest dance move possible the sideways karate chop black 
the life-size soup bowl. Black. They ask you if you can crip walk. You say yes. They ask you if you can Harlem shake. The real one. You say yes, because you are that black while everything else burns. You just get blacker. Black is the new Jewish. And Jewish is the new black. And you are the blackest Jewish kid in Hebrew school. <laughs> How to pick up? Sounds okay? We're good? All right, cool. Um, thank you so much for having me here. It is an absolute pleasure. I've been on the road, made it here from New York City, going all up and down in an incongruous path that makes zero sense, but I made it here. I'm in Bellingham at Poetry Night, and it's an honor to be here, so thank you for having me. Um, yeah, woo, yeah. Um, so, we're gonna pick the energy up here a little bit. I need your assistance to do that, so I suggest, in order to do that, we do some call and response. Yeah, how do y'all feel about call and response? Good. Okay, cool, cool. So let's, so let's practice. Let's practice a little bit. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, let's just, let's just get it warmed up. You know, we'll get, get our, you know, our mouths moving, the blood flowing, right? So, when I say call, y'all say response. Call. Response. Call. Response. When I say poetry, y'all say night. Poetry. Night. Poetry. Night. When I say fish, y'all say sticks. Fish. Sticks. Fish. Sticks. When I say refrigerator, y'all say raider. Refrigerator. Raider. Refrigerator. When I go like this, y'all say Jewish. Aaron is. Jewish. Aaron is. Jewish. When I say. All right, now actually that was good. I think that's where we gotta stop, right? How do y'all feel? Yeah, we're feeling good. Okay, so I think we'll stick, we'll stick with this one, right? So when I go like this, y'all are gonna say Jewish, right? One more time. So, um, let's say, Aaron's favorite religion is? Jewish! Aaron's little brother is? Jewish! Yeah, we'll go like that, okay? Cool. Cool. So this next poem is called, uh, it's a, it's a chazal, or ghazal, which is a Middle Eastern poetry form technique. And it is written in the voice of my younger brother talking about me. Cool. Broken a puzzle in the voice of my younger brother. And I'll pick this one up with this. We're gonna have some fun here. Broken puzzle in the voice of my younger brother. Irrefutable fact. My brother is black. Kink hair and a wide nose. That's gotta be black. He said, Look in the mirror, naked, if it ain't black, <laughs> if we don't do it to ourselves first, then they do it to us, said he loves counting stacks, is that black, Jewish. said we love eating chicken cause we black, Jewish. said you gotta keep it real, listen to black music. If you want to keep your teeth, you ain't allowed to act. And that's night of the broken glass, Jewish. They'll beat your face in with a bat until it's black. They raped your great-grandma. Jewish. 
And that's a fact. Say a prayer for the secrets your family keeps. Kaddish. See, Aaron, you run. But I learned to attack. In order to survive, you gotta be black, stupid. Let him tattoo my arm. That's how I be black. That's how I be. But that's not what you did. Got yourself a good job where nobody's black. Cut the slang off your tongue. It's too black. And you never came home, Aaron, where it's black. And not coming home is black. Right, cool. Cool. Cool, cool. Kevin, uh, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Kevin convinced me to drink the bottle. A brown eyeball daring me to blink. I was 14 and unsure how I felt about white people. (laughs) But I knew I didn't like beer. Kevin was white and liked beer. He said, it's what men do. They drink beer and watch sports and get into fights or else they are a pussy. I remember thinking this must be racist in a way. Against women. I had never seen a a pussy before or any type of vagina, but I knew what a pussy was from the movies we all watched together in Kevin's house. In seventh grade, Brandon took off everything except his sneakers chased us around the house, a beer in one hand, his pinkish white genitals in the other. We ran around screaming and laughing while he called us gay and threatened to cream on us. I giggled and said, that must be racist against gay people. And probably women. (laughs) And we ate Hot Pockets. (laughs) Kevin grabbed a couple of brewskis from his dad's stash. Said, you don't seem that black to me. And punched me in the chest. Asking you. It's not my equipment. All right, we're gonna do, we're gonna do this. All right, this this is this is kind of a proclamation. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna proclaim this. All right. Cool. Um, thank you guys so much for having me here. Appreciate y'all uh, getting wild, getting wild with me. We're gonna do this. Okay, cool. So, um, are, are we picking me up here, Venus? Like this, yeah. Check, 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 check. All right, cool. How y'all doing in the back? 
Ah, you look so much different from this perspective. I imagine I too must look a little bit different from this perspective. Cool. So, um, those of you who are familiar with the Bible know that, um, the Jews were slaves in Egypt and at one point they wanted to not be slaves anymore. Um, so Moses goes up to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Right. And then Pharaoh says, fuck you. Right. Exactly. So then, um, Moses says, okay, well, I will then put lots of plagues upon your house until you let me go. And the most deadly of these plagues, the most vicious and horrible of these plagues was locusts. Exactly. Locusts. And what people don't often discuss and what many biblical scholars may dispute me on, but is definitely true, is the fact that these locusts were actually drunk locusts. Drunk locusts. Exactly. Because drunken locusts are the most deadly and evil type of locusts, as we all know. So this poem is about that. Great. It's called The Greatest Equalizer. A drunken locust will fly up to your apartment and eat through the wall. That's right. A drunken locust can fly. All a drunk human can do is dance And throw up and hurt people. That's why drunken humans suck. A drunken locust can do those things too. But a drunken locust can also fly. That is what makes them more awesome than drunken humans. That is what makes them the greatest equalizer. Imagine a thousand drunken locusts flying into your apartment. Their steel teeth digging into your sheets and your hair. They would eat all of your plants and your small pets. They would make loud, distracting noises that would make your neighbors file a noise complaint. They would eat all of your food. That would be terrible. (laughs) You would be hungry and cold and wide awake, and you would ask, where did these drunken locusts come from? Why are they doing this to me? But lo, you would already have your answer. Of course, they came from God. (laughs) That is where all drunken locusts come from. When humans do stupid things like shut down the government, chattel slavery, legacies of patriarchy and oppression, God sends swarms of drunken locusts to remind humans not to get drunk and do stupid things. And the locusts They equalize everything. That is their job. To be a plague upon your house. Cool. Uh, I feel the same way about you. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right, me too. <laughs> I, I was talking to the microphone. <laughs> Love you, Mike. <laughs> this is not a synagogue. It is a place where people learn how to die. I watched them put each name on the wall. Brass rectangles, one inch by four inches. I imagine the sofair scribing each name on its chosen block for a year, like each lifeline was its own Torah. I imagine that for every mistake, he has to say a prayer and begin again. But I know that the rabbi probably just emails the name to a contact abroad, along with the birthday and death day. And the names arrive in a jingling shipment, dropped at the loading dock behind the synagogue multi-purpose room. But when my little brother asks me where they come from, I tell him to look at the names on the wall, screwed into the temple in the shape of a tree. I tell him each name is a leaf. And the rabbi waters the tree in a small room in the back that is only the size of three small chairs wide, but is as tall as the tallest building in the world. And your own leaf grows on it each time you blink until it gets to its full length of one inch by four inches, at which point it falls off and you die. So if you want to live longer, you have to stop blinking. <laughs> but then I felt really bad as he stood there for the next three prayers, trying his hardest not to close his eyes, squinting. But I didn't have the heart to tell him the truth, that this temple was really a people factory. And we didn't even have a real tree in the back. And really, there was nothing we could do to prevent our own death. But I couldn't tell him that. So instead, I stood there next to him, tried to hold my eyes open too. And we both stood there, staring at the open ark, staring at each golden name fixed to the temple wall. My parents just thought we were overcome with the service that all that Jewish learning must have done us some good. <laughs> and I looked up at my parents and smiled because if they knew the truth, they would be so proud of me that my brother was trying to save his own life and I was trying to help him even though it was impossible. Um, I'm going to do two more poems, uh, and then I'm going to get off the stage. Thank you so much for having me here and letting me feature with you. Uh, thanks for letting me get weird and silly and just, you know, have fun in the space. I'll be selling copies of my book, um, Yarmulkes and Fitted Caps. Uh, the book is uh, an exploration of masculinity and the backdrop of blackness and Judaism. In a lot of ways, um, the yarmulke is the symbol of masculinity 
um, for Jews. Uh, Jewish men, almost as a rite of passage, get to wear the yarmulke. Um, and in a lot of ways, the fitted cap has a parallel function in, uh, in the black community. Um, being a man can sometimes be awesome. Um, being a cisgendered, heterosexual, masculine, identifying, able-bodied male has its privileges. Yes. What? No. Um, show me some proof. And, uh, <laughs> show me some proof. Um, and part of learning what it means to be a man is learning to identify those privileges. Um, I think a lot of times, and I, I talked about this a little bit last night at Kitchen Sessions too, but I think a lot of times growing up um, and learning the codes of masculinity essentially just means learning how to oppress women and learning how to oppress people who don't fit the mold of traditional forms of masculinity. And in order to then grow up and learn what it means to be a good man, to be a good person, it means then unlearning those same cycles. And this book is about that journey of learning and then unlearning those systems of oppression that men are taught to carry with them um, in the backdrop of blackness and in the backdrop of Judaism as they intersect. Uh, so that's what the book is about. I think it's a good read. I strongly recommend it. Um, if you want to come talk to me about it afterwards, books cost $15. Conversations are free, and, uh, and we can talk all about it. Cool? Cool. All right. Um, how to tell your story. One, your grandmother dies. A wrinkled ivory canvas in a tarnished wooden box. Two, your suicidal cousin. Her chest was bleeding years before she put a bullet inside. Three, your childhood mentor. Only fitting that he pass with both hands clutched to a guitar as the room filled with smoke. Four, Jews. We don't believe in heaven, per se, but one commentary speaks of two mountains, each with an angel standing at the peak. When you die, they sling your souls back and forth for the rest of time. A fading line of smoke in the night sky. Five. One day, your brother will jump from a third-story window, and the ground will open like a grandmother's arms. Paint his body red and brown, and send him on his way. So we're going to do one more poem. Uh, one more poem. Cool? Y'all feeling good? Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much again for having me here. It has been a real pleasure. Thank you to the organizers. Thank you to Erica and Mike for bringing me out here. Thank you for coming to the workshop this afternoon. Those of you who made it, thank you so much for coming to Kitchen Sessions last night. It has been a pleasure to spend so much time with y'all here in Bellingham, and I've had a great time. So thank you so much. Give it up for yourselves. Please. Give it up for yourselves. You guys are awesome. My grandma kicked the shit out of your grandma. <laughs> My grandma thorough. My grandma laser vision. What's a laser? 
My grandma, not sure. But she got him. Got a Sega Genesis 2. Don't need it. But it's good to have around when you got grandkids. My grandma got grandkids. Got regular kids, too. They're grown-up kids, but my grandma still got them. Keeps them close, like her New York Times. If anything, my grandma got news. New news, mostly old news, which I think ain't news no more, but grandma says news is history. My grandma got history. Some for every day of the week. With water and bread. My grandma got water and bread. Ain't always had water and bread, but fuck it. My grandma got them now. Got a teacher's pension and a paintbrush. My grandma paint any world she want. My grandma don't make a mess. She just lay out her history. And catches the colors as they fall. My grandma got colors. And got ugly ones from grandpa. My grandma got the shit kicked out of her by grandpa. My grandma kicked the shit out of grandpa. Fuck grandpa. My grandma kicked the shit out of any ugly. See right through it. And that's love too. A laser. My grandma got love. Not for this world though. But hey. My grandma live in any world she wants. Fuck any world. My grandma live in every world. And I'm her son sometimes. And I'm her husband sometimes. And I'm her grandson sometimes. And it's complicated because I just came over to play Sega. My grandma got Sega. I know, Grandma. You told me. No, 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 Grandma. You already told me. No, no, Grandma. I got the New York Times right here, Grandma. No, Grandma. You haven't read this one yet. My grandma hasn't read this one. Too many memories. Not much room for more. That's okay. My grandma got a lot of good ones. Gave me some too. Took both of her legs off her hips one day and handed them to me. Said I'd get more use out of them. I will. My grandma can see that. Took both of her eyes out. Drained them in the kitchen. And pulled a thin, dripping canvas from the sink. She said, Don't be afraid, Ari. This is your family. When you got family, who needs money or God? My grandma got money and God. Don't believe in either. My grandma going to heaven anyways. <laughs> Samuels, ladies and gentlemen, one more round of applause.
Sometimes those weird things drag on way too long.